The way you think about trauma and PTSD is wrong. So let me clarify, I don't actually know how you in particular think about PTSD. You listening to this may actually already think about it the way I'm about to share, but I didn't. So I'm really speaking for myself here that I was not thinking about PTSD the right way. And I would gather that if I was thinking about it wrong, many other people were certainly thinking about it wrong. And the other thing I'll put a disclaimer here is there's different kinds of PTSD and trauma. In my situation, I'm going to talk specifically about complex PTSD, childhood trauma, and not just childhood trauma in a single event, but you come from an abusive household, so it's chronic, it's happened early in your life, and it happened for a long time of your life. That type of trauma, which turns out to be complex PTSD. So the way I thought about it before that is incorrect is that it's something you get over. When bad things happen to you, if you're a strong enough person, you get some therapy, you think about it differently, you change the narrative to take away the power of your abuser, and you get over it. And we applaud stories like that because people like that are so strong. They have this mental fortitude that so many people don't have. And we bring them on as guests on podcasts to tell how they changed their story in their head and how they turned things around and how they got over it. There's a movie I watched recently, the Mila Kunis one, talking, uh, it was called The Luckiest Girl Alive. I really liked that movie. I thought it was relatable in many ways. I liked the character development, so you should check it out. But in that movie, she had a very traumatizing high school experience, gang rape, a lot of bullying, and then she went through a school shooting. And she ended up living the rest of her life as a overcompensation of that to get as far away as possible. So she grew up poor and she wanted to have a lifestyle that was rich. She was marrying a rich guy and was going to join their social circle. But when it all falls apart at the end, one of the things that her fiance the rich guy says to her is, I thought you had already gotten over all of this. It's in the past. They paid their dues. Your abuser's in a wheelchair. I thought you were over it. I thought that's what I thought was so cool about you because you were so tough. And that scene, I think, perfectly summarizes how I felt about trauma, about people, and about myself. When I felt that I had gotten over it, it was a testament to my mental strength and it was kind of a one-and-done deal. Once you get over it, you are over it for the rest of your life. It's like, a, it's like a transactional event. Like you get over the trauma the way the event you get over the event. Because the event is a one-time thing. It, it's a one-time thing in the past. So you pass it time-wise. And with mental strength and emotional strength, you pass it emotionally as well. And then you don't have to deal about it again in the future. Come to realize, very naive, very incorrect, and shows a truly naive understanding of PTSD. Again, reminder, I'm talking about complex PTSD, childhood trauma. I don't know enough about single events of trauma where it's like this adult woman gets raped or, or the traumas that are less, let's just say less scary, less bad, because I do think you can rank traumas. Not that you should engage in an Olympic competition of who had it worse, but Arguably, if a man grabs me, it's very different from a man raping me and entering me. So 
Maybe for certain levels, right, that aren't so pervasive and so deeply affecting, you can get over it like that in a one and done thing. But again, going back to childhood trauma and complex PTSD, very naive. So really quick, let's talk about what CPTSD is. Complex PTSD. Complex PTSD, I'm going to abbreviate here moving forward as just PTSD, is basically, like I mentioned, abusive childhood. It comes from emotional abuse is the core of it. Although, of course, you can layer in physical abuse and sexual abuse as well. But the core of it and how it really fucks you up is if there's that level of emotional neglect from parents. Because that emotional neglect from parents teaches children that they cannot depend on their parents for safety outside of the home, much less inside of the home. And that single belief, although there's many beliefs that you teach them through this experience, that single belief pervades many, much of the way they act and the way they view the world. I'll give you an example of myself. I, the more I learn about it, the more I realize much of who I am actually is not because of who I am. It's because of what I've been through. And that's something I'm grappling with to know the power of how much you are actually comes from your childhood. That's a very, that's a very disempowering realization to have. But that aside, I'm very successful at work because I'm organized. But the reason I'm organized is I didn't realize that came out of my survival mechanism through my trauma. There's four different ways that children will end up surviving through trauma. The first one is by fighting, and that's really basically becoming a narcissistic, loud, belligerent, tantrum-throwing person. That was not me. You can also become people like me, which is perfectionist, plans a lot. You somehow get this belief that in order to be lovable, you have to be perfect, so you're always striving for more. That's why everything is black and white to you. You think black and white because black and white also gives you this level of control. You don't like ambiguity. And I think these parts about the ambiguity probably apply to all of them, but the very organized and drivenness and ambition actually comes from my trauma, not because I was an ambitious person. It was because my survival mechanism, because you think about my brother, my brother is another category. He's more of the people pleaser. He grovels. He will stand down and acquiesce. That's his survival mechanism. And there was another survival mechanism, I can't remember, but I believe it was more to do with um, clingy. You become very clingy. It's that anxious attachment style. So that's one thing. The other thing I'm realizing about PTSD is when it happens to you so young, not only does it create a huge ripple effect because at the very basis of it, you don't have love a loving environment as humans should, as animals should, you don't have that. And that not only impacts a lot of your beliefs, but physiologically, this trauma is scorched in your brain as well. It is forged in your neurons in the way they are formed or not formed. It impacts a lot of things in your brain. I'm not versed enough to regurgitate the details off the top of my head. I will once I finish reading that book, but it actually changes your brain, truly does. And that change in brain chemistry will then impact the rest of your health physically too. More prone to cancer, more prone to um, other things too, because it's an actual change in your body. And it comes really because when you're a child, your amygdala, I think it's the amygdala, but anyways, your brain is very sensitive. So when you are put in that high level of stress for that long, for that early in your life, 
when you are so vulnerable, you, you are basically like nothing, right? Nothing. It's so ingrained in who you are. You can't just shake that shit off. It's not a single event that's di distanced and detached from you enough that you can quote unquote get over it because it is who you are. I'll give you an example. Let's say you're building a, a you're building a tent in a forest, um, a little teepee, and you're using the sticks that are around you. If you are growing up in a good environment, you have healthy sticks that you build your mental framework on or your sense of self on, right? And then from there, let's say um, fungus comes in and starts infecting the foliage around you. You're able to figure out, you know, separate that off and uh, find a way to manage it. But when I grew up in a forest that the trees were already poisoned with fungus and toxicity, those became the same sticks that I used to build my framework. So it is a part of me. And it's an undeniable fact, just looking at the science, that my tent is going to be different from your tent. I might, it might look the same. It might have a similar shape because I've done a lot of work to mimic what a healthy you know, mental, mentality should look like or healthy behavior should look like. But it's so deeply ingrained in there. You can't escape it. So what I'm saying is all that idea of being tough, that self-help stuff, right? Which comes from the idea of you get over it or Tony Robbins stuff where it's like change your narrative, raise your standards, love yourself, parent yourself. Parent yourself is actually psychologically founded, but that type of thing is also superficial. It might help with Again, just getting your shit together in general. If you feel a little lost, you have some depression. But if we're truly talking about PTSD that came from childhood, you're going to need a therapist. You're going to need a psychologist to get into the nitty gritty of your t every little behavior or little rabbit hole that your mind goes down. That superficial stuff is helpful. It's like icing on the cake. You know, it'll tackle the top part of it. It'll make it look nice and it'll help you, right? But it's not going to do the deep work. So with that all said and done, when we think about you get over it, you get over those emotions of sadness. So one of the, I'll use an example. One of the things that continues to make me sad is how the last moments of my mom's life, she had a very sad exit to life because she was bedridden. And in her field of view, if she could see that far, the last things that she would see before she left this world were my dad basically flirting with the hospice nurse for over an hour in the kitchen right in front of her when she came an hour ago to check on my mom. And my mom is fading away. Had, my had the nurse been there, she would have seen her pulse was slowing down more and more. But my dad was busy flirting with her. So an hour passes, and by the time she finally comes to check on my mom, she calls out her name, Gina. Gina, can you hear me? Gina, no response. So then she picks up her wrist and she tests her pulse. Gina? And I think it was at this point I asked the nurse, is she? And then the nurse kind of nods at me and tells me that her pulse is very slow. And... That's when she died. You could tell I'm 
choking up right now. It's a really sad memory for me. I hate that that's how her last moments were. It's so sad that that's how she had to leave the world, alone and bedridden, and watching that as the last scene. But the point I'm trying to say here is the part of the reason you don't get over it is because that story will always be a sad story. There's nothing that's going to make that story not a sad story. I can try to flip it a bit, you know, look at the other side of the coin, basically just change my angle and try to change my narrative on it. And I can do that, but let's not mince words here. Let's not sugarcoat it. That's a sad story. And sad stories are going to make you feel sad. You have emotions as a human being. You will always have emotions as a human being. So the fact that this will always be a sad story, it will always make me feel sad. There's no realistically me getting over it and being one day able to tell that story and not feel sad about it. But what I can do is learn to live with it and learn to manage it, learn to manage my lifestyle and my thoughts or so that I either A, don't think about that as much, or if I do start thinking about it, I don't spiral into an unproductive, just vat of sadness. So it's like having a some sort of health affliction, let's say HIV. You don't cure it, but you learn to manage it. An example of that would be when I do get sad, it's very easy for me to then spiral and start thinking about everything else that's sad in my that was sad in my life. Feel generally hopeless because I can't change that. My mom is already dead and I reached this dead end road of feeling sad over my mom's life. That's not productive. So what I can do instead is realize that emotions are true. Emotions help you think because emotions give you guidance to your thoughts. Your thoughts then give birth to action. So while I can acknowledge the truth of my emotions, let's now move on to the next step, which is my thoughts. If I know I'm sad about something like this, well, then my thoughts are, what can I do to make myself not feel sad and unproductive? I can remember a story that I've told myself. So see, I am utilizing the change of narrative technique, a story that I've told myself that one way I can make this all better is by living the best life I can on her behalf as a part two to her life. So that puts me in the thought phase. Now let's go graduate into the action phase. So what does that mean? What do I need to go work on right now? Or remind myself of my goals. And the reason this is helpful is because this gets me out of that first unproductive phase, which doesn't need to be denied, but we also don't need to linger there in the emotions and moves me forward. It's not denial. It's not getting over it. It's creating a system that around it. The other thing I want to elaborate on is that PTSD will always be with you because it's already been forged into who you are. Now, the reason it doesn't go away is because even though there will be times when you feel like you've done a really good job, you've found a way to lessen your symptoms. And while it still is a sad story, that doesn't mean you're going to break down crying and you've created a system a system not only in your thoughts, but also in your life. You happen to be in a great loving relationship right now. Everything feels stable. And that loving relationship with a partner with a secure attachment is helping to heal your void. 
What happens when that ends? What happens when you break up? The truth is, even if you are in a point right now where you have you know, gotten over it because you don't feel the symptoms, it's still a fluid ebb and flow thing because if those systems you've created around you break down for whatever reason or within your body, you start having more memories that come up in different seasons of your life, it's an ebb and flow thing. It's a fluid thing. You getting over it is still a fluid, like I'm doing better now, but it may not be this way for the rest of my life. Again, dismantling the whole idea that it's a one and done healing process. And underlying everything I'm saying here too is that you don't get over something because you don't just forget it. You can't just forget and erase your memories. If I had a traumatic childhood, I can go on and create the best next half of my life. But that's talking about the future. That doesn't change the past. You can't fuck with the past, right? And I can't unknow the things I saw. I can focus on future exciting things, but you just can't forget things. That's just not how it works, right? And even if you try very hard to by focusing on something else, your body, whether it be your brain or your muscles and the tension in it, will find a way to hold the things that you think you can forget. And it might come out in things like your dreams. The fact is you just can't control everything. You can't control what comes to visit you at night when you're sleeping, what sorts of memories and scenery come back to you. So stop with this faulty belief that you just get over it and it doesn't haunt you again in the future. Things change, circumstances change, it could haunt you again and you just need to learn to manage it. 